Logic Man, fanboy, it's a duel for the ages. Arguing about all of the scenes, the notes, the pages. Debating all the pop culture ephemera they devour. It's the Logic Man and Fanboy Power Hour. Welcome back to another episode of Logic Man and Fanboy Power Hour. I am one of your hosts, Bo Hansen, aka Logic Man, and with me is Chuckles Lightly, the fanboy. How you doing today, fanboy? Um, okay. Yeah, just okay. I think I'm okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Not giddy as a lobster or anything like that. No. Okay. No. Alright, we'll save that for another time. Yeah, more uh more like calm as a clam. Okay. Alright. So we got a little Zen action going on for you people today. So we are today going to talk about what are we gonna talk about? Are we gonna talk about Star Trek Picard and Strange New Worlds or sure. just Picard? Sure, let's yeah, let's hit them both. Let's uh just have a uh, little trek fest. All right. So, for your information, my fellow travelers, um, this week, actually last week now, because we're recording this on Monday, uh, was the final episode of season two of Star Trek Picard, and simultaneously, uh, the first episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds was released. Um, I had a prediction. Uh, before I even watched them both, that Fanboy would hate Picard and love Strange New Worlds, and that I would be the opposite. And I think our prediction, or my prediction, is more or less accurate. Yeah, your prediction is um, is uh, basically right on right on the money. Now, um, knowing me for as long as you have, uh, the prediction that I was going to like Strange New Worlds um, doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, because it's set in the era of the original series. Which I am a big fan of. Exactly. Yes. Um, you know, and Oops, sorry, uh, some other reasons we'll, we'll get into, but I'm more curious as to why you thought I wasn't going to like Picard. Sorry, that's my phone. Can you hand me that? I'm just going to turn the volume off. Uh, as to why you didn't like Picard. Yeah, why you thought I wasn't going to like it. I don't know. I just had a sense. Um, it might not have been that specific. There we go. It's all turned off. It might have not have been that specific that you would not like that one, but I was sure you were going to like Strange New World better. Okay. Okay. Um, <sighs> Picard is some heavy shit. Yeah, um, but I I am not opposed to heavy shit. It's a time travel confessional of a series, um, like an uh, a ten hour long psychiatric therapy session, but done over two different time periods. You know, like uh, the twenty fourth century and the twenty first century. Is that kind of Kind of the vibe you got from it too. That's that's the vibe I got in terms of that's the intention that they were going for, um, but I personally didn't feel they executed that well. There are definitely bumps in the road. I mean, you've got. I think I saw there was a new director every episode or two, so you've got a lot of different voices pinging in on this. Yes. Um, it might have been a little bit more consistent had it just been, you know, the initial voices throughout and just keep the same director on the entire project. Right. So that director is, you know, um, establishing his vision for the story. Right. As opposed to so many voices adding into it, you know. Right. Um, so for it, you... It very, it very much felt like um, a campfire uh, round uh, round robin type story, you know, where okay, I'm going to start off the story, 
Oh, like an exquisite corpse or something like that. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I couldn't think of the term with it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to start off the story, and it, I'm going to take it to a certain point, and then I'm going to stop. And now it's up to the next person to pick it up and run with it. Right. And well, do something. And that happens in, in part when you change directors midstream. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, each director is going to bring a little bit of their own stuff to it, even though the script is there. Right. Um, so, uh, I mean... The nerds out there have all probably watched this, but for those of you who hadn't seen the series, um, it's a sequel series to Star Trek The Next Generation, which was on the air from 1987 to 1994, and it follows Captain Picard and his new adventures in his 80s. Um, this second season... Actually, it's Admiral Picard now. Uh, yeah, 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 it is. But, you know, we know him as Captain Picard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the, uh, the latest season, um, he is revisited by his old nemesis Q, a kind of omnipotent, um, immortal being, like godlike being that's been torturing him since 1987, uh, our time frame. And, uh, they eat the Borg, and then they get thrown back in time and to an alternate timeline, and then they have to, you know, slingshot around the sun like they did in Star Trek Four, go back in time to the 21st century, figure out how to fix the timeline, and then get everybody safely back to the 24th century in their natural habitat. Um, time travel stories always tend to get a little wonky and weird, and they always leave more questions unanswered than they do answered. Um, even when you're dealing with, you know time travel being surreptitiously controlled by an omnipotent god. Um, there's still paradoxes and, and things to discuss and, you know, things that went wrong and things that went what? Um, so, are there any of those that you want to talk about? Well, yeah, I just, well, I want to address the fact that, yes, time travel stories always get a little bit wonky in, in some areas. But there are definitely... There are definitely better uh, time travel stories than like, like not all time travel stories are created equal. Is basically what I'm saying. Is there are some stories that are told where it, it it's not really. Um, okay, wait. I don't want to compare this to Back to the Future because I don't want you to pull your penis out. I know that's your right. big favorite. Well, and, well, no, 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 I wasn't, I... Okay. Um, I'm just trying to say that some time travel stories are better than other time travel stories. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's true of anything. I had a peanut well, butter yeah. jelly sandwich yesterday, but the one I had two weeks ago was way better. Uh-huh. Crunchy versus, you know, creamy and... Right. Strawberry versus grape. You know, there's all kinds of myriad combinations. Okay. Even just the type of bread, man, yeah. makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly toasted. Oh. Yes, I get your point. Um, so, were there any things that bothered you? Let's uh, looking at it as a time travel story. Are there things that bothered you about it? Um. I know there's a big one that bothers me, and I mentioned it to you at one point when we were, uh, uh, right after we saw it, I think. Yeah. They, um, when they go back to the 21st century, they take the Borg Queen with them. Yeah. The Borg are their big bad, you know, villains. Yeah. And she ends up bonding with one of the characters who's like, you know, a pure beam of radiant evil or innocent light. Yeah. Um, becomes a new creature, a new creation, and they decide to create a new board where they're not going to assimilate people by force. They're just going to take people in who want to become a part of it. Right. And that queen then takes their spaceship and leaves to go to the Delta Quadrant to, to start her new colony, you know, and, and rebuild the, the race, essentially. Um, 400 years in the past. And then we meet her again at the end, and she is. She's a kinder, gentler, you know, race now. So, but the big question is, before this, we've had so many interactions with the Borg. Between the next generation and um, 
Voyager, and I think even Deep Space Nine. I never watched Deep Space Nine, but I think they had some Borg elements too, didn't they? I don't think so. No. And Star Trek First Contact, you know? The whole point of that movie is is the Borg. Um, so, does that all go away? You know, is that like, the this is the first contact that the Federation has ever had with the Borg, is right at this moment in Picard 2? Well, no, because when they get back, uh, when they return to the future timeline, it's all happening, just as it did before they left. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. Is that the first contact with the Borg? No. Again, it, must, it has to be. No. It, it, because to them, you know, in that reality, in that moment, this is a strange, unknown alien force who is trying to take control of their ship. But it's not a strange and unknown alien force. Because the rest of Starfleet, they, they all know it's the Borg. But then why would they be shooting at her? Because all of the stuff that already happened... Never happened. Well, evidently it did. But that's what I'm saying, it can't. Because, you know, you sent the Queen back 400 years and she started a new race of Borg... Which means the old race of Borg never existed. Well, that's not necessarily true. Well, it never existed for the Federation because they didn't encounter the Borg until like 30 years earlier. Right, but maybe like... Maybe those first couple races that got assimilated before she got back there and said, wait, wait, we can do better. Yeah, they're still screwed. Well, no, I mean, it would be like, you know... Um, it would be like the spreading of a virus, like they did with Hugh on the one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. That eventually started to impact a lot of other Borg, but it didn't It didn't affect the entirety of But this all is the, the Borg. Borg Queen. A Borg Queen. The Borg Queen. How do we know it's the Borg Queen? Because there's only one. How do we know it's like that? the Highlander, right? Are conveniently one. How 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 do we know that? Because she's played by Christopher Lander. Right, of course. Yeah. No, no, like, is there? I, a, I don't know. No, but there's only ever been one established, and they all, even though it's been played by different uh, actresses throughout the years, it's designed to look exactly the same. You know, it's not like she puts on a new outfit and, uh, you know, a tiara and a pretty hat and says, oh, I'm the new queen. You know, and yeah, the queen is supposedly destroyed in Star Trek First Contact. Right. But it's the same queen that we see later in Voyager and things like that. But it's not. Well, yeah, it's played by a different actress, but... Right, it's played by a different actress, but I also never assumed it was the same queen. Okay, but the point is... They follow that insect-like mentality. There's only ever one queen at a time. We know that... Yes, but there's only ever one queen at a time per hive. Yes, but they operate as a single collective through all their ships. The hive does. But do we know that there's not more than one hive? Yeah. How? Because of everything they've told us leading up to this point. But they've never told us that. Yes, you, you have to go back and watch Voyager... There's a ton more information on the Borg and Voyager. Okay. Um, and you do get a lot of that stuff, too. Um, but yeah, it's there's only one queen. So since she's now appearing 400 years in the future, we assume that she kills the other queen, and, you know, if there is one, and she takes command of the entire Borg collective. Right, but you, you said yourself, there, like, there's another... There would have been another queen out there. Yeah, we'll say probably, but obviously that per that one is destroyed. But how do we? We don't know that. Yeah, we have to because there's only one queen at a time. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, my mom's raising bees, and that's like one of the killers. Yes, I, I know, but once again, the there Borg are collective... multiple hives. Yeah, but the Borg Collective isn't like that. And I'm asking why. 
and I'm saying go back and watch some Voyager episodes, and okay. you'll probably get the answers you need. I don't have them on the top of my head. I wish I did. Okay. But I know that it is a singular collective. Yes. And that, you know, the Borg Queen controls all Borg drones everywhere. Right. So it's one united collective. It's not, you know, there's a queen on this ship, there's a queen on this ship, there's a queen on this ship, there's a queen on this ship. It's nothing like that. Well, no, I and, wasn't. And not even like there's, you know, this 20 ships has its queen and this 40 ships has its queen. It's nothing like that. It's one queen for the entire consciousness of the collective. So every board is under the command of a single queen. And that's just the way they established it. So that's, I accept that as canon. So the only way to justify the end of this episode is that she went and killed the other queen and assumed command of that collective. She is now the Borg. And she reshapes it in her own image. You know, the the new image that she wants to project over them being like... Right, but when they reveal her at the end of the episode... Right. It's obvious that everyone is already familiar with the Borg. Right, well that's part of what I can't wrap my head around. Because if they are familiar... Did she just get control, like, last week? You know, like, Tuesday? She got control and just decided to start reshaping, which means everything like Wolf 359 and, you know, Locutus and all that kind of stuff still happened. And it just took her a while to assert dominance, and, you know, she comes back now, you know, hey, we're all new, all different, like the X-Men. Yeah, well, I mean, when, when the ship first appears... Um... At the beginning... It doesn't look anything like a board ship. Right, it doesn't look anything like a board ship. They, they know it's a board ship, but they're surprised that it looks different than any board ship they've ever right. seen. Okay, so maybe that's the answer. And that keeps everything intact. Maybe it was just last Tuesday that she, you know, was able to finally catch up to them. I mean, she had to go all the way from, you know, Earth to the Delta Quadrant, which is, you know... It takes Voyager like 85 years to do that. Right, or, or basically what I'm saying, like you said, you know, obviously she killed the old queen. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily think it took her 400 years to catch up to where they were, but it may have taken 400 years for her to assert dominance and become the singular queen. I don't think it would take that long. I don't know. I, I well, mean, why not? That's a whole, you know, you could do a whole movie on that, I guess. Yeah. But, so, you know, okay, I'll give you that. If that, my big paradox was, like, what about Locutus and all that kind of shit, you know, the, the characters had already gone through, are we just throwing that all away? No, I, I don't think so, and because I think... I'll buy that. I think all of that was already happening and taking place while this new... Uh, What's his name? Gerardi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Borg is is out there, you know, beginning her, you know, war to reshape the collective or her or her asserting dominance over or over everything. Because she's already like it's not history isn't changed when they get back to that point at the end of the season two finale. Like at the beginning, before they're whisked away by Q, she's already that board queen. Right. Like, we don't see her face, um, but she says stuff to Picard, and, and that's before, like, you know, so it's already part of history at that point. Right. And, they're, and at that point, they're familiar with the board. So both have to... The and, other, you know, the other paradox that really that never me. that didn't really bother me that much. There were other things about the series that bothered me. That wasn't one. Time travel is tough, man. I I have a logical brain, and time travel almost always leaves questions like why, why, what. And the other one I had was um, during that Borg, you know, encounter at the end of the the episode. Um, one of the ensigns or lieutenants or whatever who's manning one of the stations turns around and says, where's Captain Rios? And Captain Rios stayed behind in the past, in the 21st century, to live out the rest of his life. Yeah. So, he's living there. Right. 
So he just vanishes off the ship and no one notices. And if he's living in the 21st century, was he ever born in the 24th century? Yeah, because he wasn't born in the past. Yeah, no, I guess not. So he still... He didn't kill his mother or anything. Right, he still, he still had to live his life up to that point where he goes back in time. I just assumed he would just, you know, nobody would even remember he was there. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I just uh, time travel messes with my head. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, again, the t- I'm thinking about it now that I'm saying it. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, but it bothered me when I watched it. Right. You know, I, and I just now it makes a little more sense than I'm saying. Yeah. It out loud, it, it, interestingly yeah. enough, it, it was none of the time travel stuff that really bothered me about the about the show. It was some of the other stuff, but but the time travel stuff does raise some interesting questions because um, Star Trek has never been consistent with how time travel is presented. Well, this was pretty consistent with Star Trek Four. I mean, it's obvious that was their model because they even brought Kirk Thatcher back right. you know, to do the punk on the bus thing again. Um, but and they slingshot around the sun and right, 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 right. But how is that? Are you talking about the method of time travel? No, I'm just I'm talking about the um the end result. It's always a happy ending. Time travel. No, that's not what I mean. Um, all right, uh... Admiral, there are the whales here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh... I guess the the malleability of time, the malleable... Uh, can time be changed? Of course. They do it all the time. But they don't do it all the time. Sure they do. No, they don't. Um... Case in point, there's an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called Time's Arrow. Right. Okay. They don't change anything. Everything that happens in the past was already, had already occurred. Even Data says this when they find his head. He's like, you know, we can't avoid this. It's already happened because, you know, it's going to happen at some point in the future. I'm going to have to go back. So those two episodes of Star Trek present time travel as preordained. That traveling into the past is part of the present they already knew. That, you know, nothing was really altered or changed. It was already part of history. Right. But then there's other episodes of Star Trek where time is changed. Right. So, that's what I mean by it's inconsistent. Like It's what? not inconsistent at all. It sure it is. No, I see what you're saying, and let me explain it. Um, Wesley Crusher says it best in this episode. And, you know, I want to talk about Wesley, you know, a little bit, too, before we, you know, end this. But, um... And, and real quick before you... I thought you turned it off. I thought I did, too. Um... I don't want you to lose your train of thought, but I never thought I would hear the words Wesley Crusher said it best. Yeah, right? <laughs> but go ahead. No, Wesley Crusher did say it best. Um, he explains that that time in this universe is a grand tapestry. And if you're not careful, a single pull on a single thread can pull the whole thing apart. So, what you're talking about isn't time travel, it's timeline. Okay? In Time's Arrow, they preserve the timeline. They're in a timeline, they go back into the same timeline, and they come back forward into the same timeline. In Yesterday's Enterprise, something happens to create a divergent timeline. And they fix the problem, and they go back to their original timeline. Um, Mm -hmm. In this movie, something happens 
and creates a divergent timeline. And they go back in time to before the divergence, fix the divergence, and reappear in their own timeline at the end, their proper timeline. Star Trek IV is just like Time Zero. They go back in time along the same timeline, grab a whale, and, or two whales, three whales, I guess it was, and then come forward in their own timeline. Yes, but... Nothing was changed in when they travel in the same timeline. Correct. Well, well, well no, I, I'm I'm talking about in Star Trek Four. What do you mean nothing was changed? They didn't alter anything. Right. Well, I mean, technically they did. They stole three whales from the past and brought Two them to the future. No, because one with Gracie was pregnant. Remember. Uh, well, yeah, but... I count the fetus, man. Babies okay. count. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I just laid my politics bare. I, I was going to say, I, I, I think this just became the uh, the Republican and Democrat power. Yeah. Hour. <laughs> You're a cold-hearted bastard, you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so technically they brought three whales forward, but yeah. those three whales... Their presence in, in the past doesn't affect the timeline. So they can be swapped from from one time frame to another and not alter the timeline too drastically. I mean, technically they are creating a new timeline, but they're creating it from that moment they drop the whales in the ocean in the their present. Because up until that point, there were no whales. So the original timeline, the ship would have destroyed the planet. But they've created a new right, timeline as right. of that point, and they like it better. But did they create a new timeline? Like, basically what I'm saying is they're going back and taking those two whales from Three the whales. past. Huh? Three whales. Three whales. <sighs> <laughs> them going back in time and taking those whales from the past and bringing them to that moment in the future had already happened in the past before they ever went back in time. It was part of history. So the time travel itself was already a part of history. There was no divergence at all. No, that's what I'm saying. The divergence occurs when they put the whales in the water in the 23rd century. That's the moment where they create a new timeline. Because if they don't do that, the ship destroys the planet. Boils the oceans and, you know, destroys everything. And then goes away, you know, knowing that the population's gone forever. Okay, so are you saying then that somewhere there is a... Uh, timeline where that happens yes if you if you accept the theory of you know alternate realities and parallel universes and stuff like that which star trek obviously does okay and has ever since the beginning with mirror universe um then yes absolutely there is a timeline and it was their their original timeline would have had the planet destroyed they went back in time, grabbed the whales, put them in the future so that they could create an alternate timeline where Earth is not destroyed. So in that case, yes, you know, they created a, a divergent timeline, but they liked it better. In Yesterday's Enterprise, the anomaly creates uh, an alternate timeline, but they don't like it as much because they're dying. So they go back to the original one. Right, right. But, but Yesterday's Enterprise is is different because there's um uh, I, I can't think of how to explain this. Different from Times Arrow or different from Star Trek Four? Both. Okay. Both. Um but we're getting we're getting off topic. Well no, this is kind of fun actually. I kinda of like it. Um it's um I, I, I just I, I can't I, I, 
camping. It's it's all you just gotta think about the timeline. I, I, I am. I just So their job is either to restore the timeline or create a better timeline. Every time they've traveled, that's their been their goal. That's including the Times Arrow, yeah. Yeah. Give me an example. Well, okay. I'm only going by the ones that we've mentioned so far. I know Star Trek, the original series, they do the mirror time parallel universe thing, but I don't know if there's actually time travel involved. There's in no that. time travel involved in that. I know Voyager goes back in time at one point, at least once, and or three times, actually, that I can think of, just off the top of my head. And then I think Deep Space Nine, they go back and play with Tribbles, don't they? Yes. Okay. So, But I've never seen that episode, so I can't really comment on timelines and all that stuff with that. But just keeping with the examples we've mentioned from Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Four, and Star Trek Picard, they all seem like they, they are all about either preserving the timeline or creating a better timeline. I mean, you wouldn't make the choice to create a worse timeline on purpose. Well, well no, of course you wouldn't, but... The, the point I'm trying to make is, again, I come back to the word malleability. Right. Like, is time malleable? No. Well, yeah, it is. No, you can't just, you know, take a piece of it and make a circle. What? No, that's not what I'm saying. But, like, in yesterday's Enterprise, it's malleable. No. Sure it is. Because it changes. Okay, when you say malleable, I'm thinking like a, a box of clay that I can shape into anything I want. Is it changeable? Yes. But is it customizable to any shape I want? No. Well, if you're cute, it is. Well, okay, sure, but that doesn't have anything to do with this, you know. Well, um... Yesterday's Enterprise is not different than these other ones. Sure it is. No. Uh, something happens that triggers a branch and a new timeline. And they figure out what it is, and they fix it and restore the timeline. They don't have to time travel. They're not the ones time traveling. Right. But they figure out how to fix the anomaly and reverse it so that the timeline continues the way it was supposed to. Right. So, it's always less malleable, more A or B. At any given moment, there's an A or B. Right? You make a choice, and that choice leads to another choice, and but leads to another choice. In Time's Arrow, in Time's Arrow, there's only A. There's no A and B. Sure there is. No, there's not. Yeah, there is. How so? Well... What part of it do you mean? Everything in the past that happens in the 1800s was already part of history before they ever time-traveled. Right. So the act of time-traveling was just fulfilling what had already happened. Nothing changed. Okay. So good. So, right. But nothing changed because it couldn't change because it was already a part of history. Like, no. There's, there's, two, there's two philosophies to time travel. That, you know, time travel, you, you can't change anything because it's already happened. So if you do time travel and, then you're, and you're in the past, that past is already a part of history that... You know, like, you can't go back in time to kill Hitler because it's already happened. So if you try, you get hit by a car or whatever. Right, and that um, 11.22.63 was a great example of that. The the Stephen King miniseries with uh, James Franco. I never saw that. Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, it's all about trying to go back and save Kennedy. Um, okay. And, yeah, you know, I get that. Um that's not necessarily the philosophy that Star Trek seems to apply. Well, not always. Sometimes they do. 
Sometimes they don't. That's why I said they're inconsistent with their time travel. Well, okay. And I'll give you that simply because there's 80,000 different writers over yes. the course of 50 years yes. that have contributed storylines. So, sure, there's going to be some inconsistencies. Nobody gets everything right all the time. Correct, yes. Um, and, and, and that's... That's also one of the reasons I was saying that the time travel stuff in the season two of Picard didn't really impact me that much. I didn't really, you know, that was, I didn't, none of the issues I had with season two of Picard had anything to do with the time travel. Yeah, but somehow you've got a huge stick up your ass about Time's Arrow, so we're going to talk about that another time. No, I'm just using that as a... As uh-huh. A, no, I'm, I like Time's Arrow, the episode. It, um, I, I really do. I like that episode. Um, but I'm just using that as an example of, you know, the time can't be changed model. Yeah, which is the only example I can think of throughout, you know, Star Trek's history. So... No, there's, there's others. There might be, but yeah. I can't think of them all at the moment. But yeah. every other example we're talking about, time is changed. So, you know, Time's Arrow is in, you know, just somebody who slept through the rest of the series and wrote that episode. Well, yeah. Um, except, I, 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 I understand what you're saying about Star Trek Four creating a divergence in the timeline when they deposit the three whales in the future... But, uh, I'm not really sure that I accept that, really, because we never saw, like, um, when, when did Star Trek Four come out? 1986. When did Star Trek The Next Generation come out? 1987. Okay. So you got me there. Why? Okay. I, I was going to say, like, I was thinking before we see the whales deposited, we already see what the 24th century looks like with Picard and the Enterprise D and everything like that. So the whales being deposited in the future was already part of their history. Nope. I mean, it certainly would have been, because it takes place in the in the future anyway. Well, yeah. So regardless, if, if Star Trek The Next Generation had come out in 1972, yes, that would already be part of their history, because they're in that timeline. But the timeline diverged at that moment when Kirk, you know, dropped his load in the, in the San Francisco Bay. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Kirk was a whore like that. All right, speaking of time travel... One of the things I loved about this season, and I'm, you know, guilty of being a nostalgia whore, you know, not quite to the extent that you are, but... I was going to say, wait, what? Yeah, 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 I got it too. Uh, uh, it's a poison, and it's in me blood. This uh, season of Star Trek Picard brings back, or brings forward in time, three vintage characters from the Next Generation's run. Three? Three. We get to see Guinan, Q, and dear Wesley Crusher. Uh, uh, okay. For the first time since, you know, 1994 when the show went off the air. Oh, and uh, we, we can't forget the, the addition of Brent Spiner. Well, we see him in everything. He's, yeah, he's that was one of my problems. And he was in the last <laughs> season, too, so I didn't count him. We'll talk about him separately. <laughs> um, but, you know, for me, it was great to see the interplay between Picard and Guinan and Picard and Q all over again, and to a whole new dimension. Um, Guinan was wonderfully done in the scenes that Whoopi Goldberg did. I didn't quite like so much the fact that when they go back into the past, she's a different actress and doesn't know him. Um, I'm still you know, trying to wrap my head around all of that. Um, I get why they recast, because you know, maybe some action scenes Whoopi Goldberg's a little too old for. But... She's not, uh, I know she's at least a decade behind Patrick Stewart, and he was holding his own in those scenes. So I'm not quite sure about that. John DeLancey 
I gotta say, I've only ever seen John Delancey in Star Trek The Next Generation. I think he made an appearance in Voyager. And then he was also the chaotic dragon on My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. And that's kind of all I know him from. That's not true. What else do I know him from? You know him from Stargate. Oh, uh, like two episodes. No, he was in a lot more than was two he? episodes. I yeah. don't remember them. Yeah, he was he was a major villain in in Stargate. But only for like a season or something like that. And it was a later season that I wasn't really watching. Hmm. I haven't watched like seasons, I don't know, six through eight or something like that. Okay. So I'm not as familiar with that. But My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, I watched the whole series with my daughters. Okay. So... I gotta throw that in there like it matters, but I would have watched it anyway. But yeah, 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 yeah. it was cute. Um, given that history with him, I never thought that John Delancey had a facial expression that would make me cry, and he does it wonderfully, like several times in this episode. Yeah, um, he's got such an emotional range on his face. Yeah, and it never. It was never utilized before. I mean, My Little Pony was a voiceover role, so he couldn't do anything, but he was playing the same kind of character. Eh. Um, he was playing the same kind of character as Q, you know, this kind of wacky, half-god kind of thing that just torments the ponies. Yeah. Um, but in this one, just subtle looks at his face just bring me to tears. You know, he, yeah, he's, he's a very good actor. He's phenomenal. And, yeah. and it's a shame that the world has never gotten to see it to this point. Um, but i got to give him props for that. And, and you know, definitely uh, got to shake his hand the next time I see him when he doesn't have COVID and I don't have COVID. Um, he had COVID? Uh, no, but I didn't either. But I just want to make sure before I shake his hand. Oh, okay. You know, it's the times that we're living in. Right, sure, sure. Um, Hi, how are you? Do you have COVID? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Wesley Crusher. I got to talk about that for a minute. Um, Wesley Crusher, we looked him up. Uh, Will Wheaton is right between you and me in terms of age. Um, so he's basically our age. And he was our little window in the next generation. You know, he's the character that was most like us as a teenagers watching the show. And so, you know, we're, we're meant to identify with him. And I got to admit, you know, there were times when I found this character really annoying uh, and really trite and, you know, didn't want any part of it. Yeah, but then there were other times where you could definitely relate and see yourself as that character. Sure. Like like that time I dated the alien metamorph. You hear that dead silence of <laughs> people? That's what accompanies every one of his damn jokes. <laughs> Dead air, dead air. All right, so <clears throat> Will Wheaton comes back in this last episode, and the last time we saw him was in Journey's End, uh, in the final season of Star Trek The Next Generation, and he goes off to travel the universe with the Traveler and become a Traveler himself. Of both time and space. Yeah, so now he comes back 30 years later, and he's, basically Doctor, Who. he's basically Doctor Who, yeah. uh, without the, the phone box. Um, and, you know, he was great in that, and, and it was exciting to see him again, and it was thrilling to see the potential of Wesley, and I would love to see Wesley in his own TV series after this. Um, you know, it, it was great to revisit that character, and I felt so much more warmly about it than I thought I might. Um, and I was admittedly a little bit sad when I, um when I heard that he wasn't going to be in season three, because the entire cast is reuniting for season three, except for Wesley. And I was a little bummed that he wasn't going to be there. Um, so I got my fill, and I'm yeah. happy. But given the nature of the character as he's presented now, it kind of makes sense that he's not going to be in season three. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was just hoping to see him again, because, you know, why should one actor be left out, all alone in the cold? Yeah. Um... Brent Spiner, of course, has been showing up relentlessly ad nauseum, um, you know, playing different variations of members of the Sung family. Right, which just, like... Um, so he's been in two seasons so far of Picard, playing three different characters. And we don't know, 
We don't know how he's going to be presented in season three of Picard, but um, I, I, I kind of think it would be really humorous if they put him in drag and have him play the part of a female descendant of uh, Dr. Soon. I think that would be horrible. Yeah, because it, it, it would kind of be like the end result payoff for the ridiculousness of always casting him as, you know, like every single person in the Soon family looks like Data. Like, come on now. Mm. <laughs> so, like, if it's the setup to a huge joke and the, the payoff for the running gag is they put him in drag, you know, kind of like a Tyler Perry thing. That's, that's a dreadful idea. I'm glad you don't write TV. <laughs> um, I think it would be funny. I would, he said he's never doing data again. Yeah. So I would expect, he's certainly not going to play the same character he played this season because that's in the 21st century. Right. I would expect he's probably going to play, again, the character he played in the first season, um, you know, in a new synthetic body, um, you know, and maybe introduce a new synthetic that the rest of the team hangs out with or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they're going to pull this off and what they're going to do. A lot, a couple of the cast made cameos in the first season, but this seems like they're all starring in the new season. And it's already shot and done. We just have to wait a couple of months for it to premiere. Um, but I don't know uh, if they're all going to get back together and, and be on a ship again, or if they're going to go on some wacky adventure together, or if he's just going to bump into them here and there. Um, maybe, you know, collecting pieces of a puzzle from all of them or something like that. Um, so I don't really know how it's going to go, but I'm curious. And again, that's the nostalgia core, you know, like... I haven't seen these characters together on screen since Star Trek Nemesis in, what, 2002 or something like that? And that was a god-awful movie. So I'm happy to see them kind of reunite and play together. Was that the one with the Picard clone? Yes. Okay. That's I, the last time we see them all on screen together. I only ever saw that once. And I don't even remember it that well because I wasn't that impressed with it. Right. So, um, overall, I mean, I enjoyed Picard. I love Patrick Stewart. Uh, I love The Next Generation. It was always my favorite Star Trek. So, there's a lot of nostalgia and emotion riding on watching these performances and seeing characters come back and say hi and stuff like that. So, that, that's got me by the shorties. And I enjoy that. Um, I also like the, the psychological lean to this one where you're exploring philosophical ideals of redemption and forgiveness and absolution and, you know, those kind of ideas. Um, whether or not they were, you know, executed as well as they could have been, you know, I enjoyed the playground they were working with. Right. Um, so we've gone way over on that. So let's jump and switch gears real quick to Strange New Worlds, which is the newest Star Trek show. Um, this is set... I think a couple of years before James T. Kirk takes over the Enterprise, and it follows the crew of the Enterprise under Captain Pike, um, a character that goes all the way back to the original pilot for the 60s show. Um, There are currently two of the original series characters on the show now, right? That would be Spock and Uhura. Um, and, uh, Christine Chapel. There's Chapel, right. Um, and, you know, uh, I would count Pike among that as well. No, oh, he and, wasn't one of the regular bridge crew. When you think about, like, the regular bridge crew, right, you, know, you Scotty just, and Dr. Bones. Right, and, you didn't say bridge crew. <sighs> like, you just said... Characters from the original show. Yeah, primary characters. Main characters. Okay. 
Well, I'm not expecting Harry Mudd to shoot. Well, yeah, he may, but... He may. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Dr. Mbanga is also from the original series. Just from the pilot, though, right? No, he wasn't in the pilot. Oh. He was on two or three episodes of the actual series. Before they cast uh, Bones. No. Oh. No. He, he, um, he was just another doctor on the ship. Oh. Um, there was, there was a couple of episodes where, you know, he was on, um, one of the episodes he was even on with McCoy and, um, McCoy consulted with him because he had more expertise with Vulcan physiology. Um, all right. Anyway, I'm not counting him either. Um, but he counts. Yeah, but you got the, the holy seven that, you know, really matter. Um, and everybody else's bit parts. Um, if you did three episodes of a TV series, you're not necessarily a main actor, you know? Yeah, yeah okay, but... Yeah, okay, so... They're, they're characters that still have... They weren't newly created characters for the show. Right. Now, here's my bias coming into this. I can't stand the original series. Okay? <laughs> it is primitive, it's boring, it's stupid... It's way too episodic. There's no character development. And it's cheesy. Um, I'm going to dismiss it raw right there. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Jim Kirk and Spock and all of these guys. Don't care for them. Next Gen was my show. That's what got me into Star Trek. And that's pretty much the only one that held me in Star Trek. Um, I never liked it. You know, I've tried to sit down and watch episodes, and man, they're boring. I can't keep my eyes open. And it pisses me off. And I know I talked with you about this a little bit before, and I yeah. just want to throw it out there. And this is just my bias coming into this. Right. I hate, hate, hate that Star Trek, to me, is all about looking forward to the future, Right. It's, it's always moving forward into the future. You know, they never look behind them. They even say, like, you know, we're not going back to Earth because that's looking back. We need to go to the future. We're exploring the unknown, exploring the unknown, where no one has gone before. And yet, the last two shows they've dropped on us, not counting cartoons, Discovery and um, Strange New Worlds, both take place and the same time frame as the original series. So, what happened to where no one has gone before? We're now, we're going where everybody's gone before several times. And that's not Star Trek to me. And, and on top of that, we're going back to a time frame that's established with a certain technology look, and then we're going in, you know, where, like, yeah, they have toggle switches to make warp drive go, you know, in the 60s. And then we're going back to the same time frame with ships that have virtual, you know, digital interfaces and all this kind of stuff. And I can't wrap my head around that. You know, like, it just makes, you know, the Enterprise look like a POS. Yeah, I, I, I know. It, it's... I, I, I understand your bias is coming into it. Um, I, I don't agree with any of it. <laughs> well, that's because you have your own bias. Yes. Because I, this was your favorite show. Right. I Well... I wouldn't say, like, I've seen what you do with your Kirk doll, dude, and it's disturbing. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway. Um, Who's been in those? My guy? love for the original Star Trek series is, is on par. Like, I don't, I wouldn't say I like it more than The Next Generation. I wouldn't say I like The Next Generation more than the original. Um, I, I have more nostalgia for the original than I do the next generation. Um, because I was much, much younger when I started getting into the original Star Trek. Um, I was a huge fan of the classic Star Trek series you know, long before the next generation ever came around. Right. And, as a matter of fact, when the next generation premiered, 
I was very excited because I'm like, wow, they're, they're going back and they're revisiting Star Trek. It, it's going to be great. And I watched the pilot episode Encounter at Farpoint and uh, the cameo of DeForest Kelly as Dr. McCoy put tears in my eyes. Um, I thought that was a great moment. But then the rest of the episode just left me with a, a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, you and everybody that worked on it and everybody that watched it. Yeah, yeah. And then I watched a few more episodes of, you know, season one, thought it was horrible, gave up on it, you know, said, ah, this Next Generation thing is crap, I'll just stick to my beloved classic Trek, um, and that's the only Trek for me. Um, and then... Sometime later, you know, uh, it came around that, you know, uh, talks, talk amongst my, you know, nerdy friends and, and such that uh, the show was getting better. Um, so You're coming to a point with this, right? <clears throat> I, I, I'm sorry. It's okay. But yes, I am. So I, I ended up going back and, and watching it, and the later episodes were better, and I became a huge fan of The Next Generation. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, I guess I'm trying to illustrate the fact that, yes, I do have more nostalgia for the classic series, but once I got into The Next Generation, I, I enjoyed it as much as the original show. Sure. Um, they're two very different shows. Um, so I, I, I appreciate both of them on different levels. Right. Okay, um, and to me, because the stories take place in the future, I still don't see it as looking back. Um, and that's what looking back. The the new Strange New World series as looking back. Oh yeah, see, this was the argument we had the other day, and I, I just couldn't fathom what the hell you were talking about. Yeah. So let's establish this for the audience. We'll, we'll just recap it and we'll let them kind of decide with comments. Yeah. Um, you're, uh, you're saying there's no problem with the you know, tech looking more modern because we live in a modern age that's creating the product. But I'm looking at it as an historic timeline and we've seen what 23rd century tech looks like in the Federation. And we've seen what 24th century tech looks like in the Federation. And what you're showing us with these new ships is like 26th century tech existing in the 23rd century. And, and that and, bothers the hell out of me. Right, I know. And I, If you're going to go back and make another show set in the timeline of Star Trek, the original series, then there better be toggle switches to work the warp drive. But that makes no logical sense. But that's how the tech is established. But that doesn't matter. You see, that's the part I don't get. It absolutely matters. No, it because doesn't. Because it's, it's a historical story. timeline. It, it's, um, and, and this is, you know, like, um. Oh my God, he's going to talk about Superman. No, I'm not going to talk about Superman. But now that you, I, I <laughs> no, I wasn't going to, uh -huh. but now that you said that, I have to bring it up. So the context of your comment is, uh, makes sense to everybody listening. Never shall I mutter under my breath again. Yeah, you, you shouldn't. Um, so... We're like 50 minutes on this, dude. Uh, are we? Yeah. Okay, we should, I guess we need to wrap up? Well, no, 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 we just need to be quick about the... Uh, I was going to say, we can, we can, you know, call this part one and come back to it for a part two later. Um, no, what I was going to say is, I, I grew up with several different versions of Superman at the same time. Um, like, I saw the Christopher Reeve movie, I saw the George Reeves television show, they were very different interpretations of Superman, that it didn't matter that one was different from the other. Um, that polluted your soul. It didn't pollute my soul, it made me more open-minded. And, you know, I, I think the way you're looking at the quote-unquote canon of Star Trek is too close-minded. No, no, it's not at all. I, see, I think it is. That's, I that's look at what I'm given. You know, I, I've seen 
what the 23rd century looks like, and I've seen what the 24th century looks like. You saw and the now you're showing me the 23rd century, but it looks like the 26th century. You saw the 23rd century through the eyes of 1960s television production. That's irrelevant. No, it's not irrelevant. Because if you're looking at the fiction, that 1960s doesn't exist. What? If you're looking at the timeline of the future, it's the 23rd century. You can't yeah. say, well, the 23rd century was made by 1960s tech. But it was. But it wasn't. But it was. They're showing us the future. That's what the future looks like. That's Period what they... The story. No, that's if what you they don't thought... Like, look, if you don't like how shitty it looks, and I don't like how shitty it looks. I don't like that there's a toggle switch for warp drive. I think that's stupid. So, if you don't like that, stop fucking around in that era. No. You just, and move the fuck forward like you you're up, supposed to. No, you update, you update it for a modern audience. Where no one has gone before. That's and there, and those are the essence. stories Those are the stories they're still telling. No, they're not. They're going back and telling the stories that we've already heard from the beginning. No, they're not. These are new stories. In a time period we've already fully explored. We haven't fully explored it. Because the the fact that they're telling new stories means it hasn't been fully explored. I'm headache. <laughs> Dear listeners, you can uh, you know contribute and comment and let us know where your thoughts lie on this. And and, and we'll take this up with a part two. Oh, will we? Well, our, Watch our, my headache get larger. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe we won't take it up with I don't think we need a part two because I don't think this is ever going to go anywhere between us. This is a wall, man. Yeah. Well, and you seem to be unable to breach the wall back into reality and accept well, that... I, I was about to say you can't I breach know, the wall back into reality because you, you seem to think that, you know, Star Trek history is... Is it's history. Is real. No, yeah. no, no. I'm not saying it's real, but it's what we've been shown. If you accept... You know, Star Trek as a fictional thing, a fictional universe. Yeah. Then you understand there's a timeline to it, right? You know, and you wouldn't bring... Like, if this were Star Wars, and I was going to shoot something, um, you know, set in the, the High Republic. You know, a thousand years before Star Wars the, A New Hope, right? Yeah. I'm not going to have Star Destroyers and Death Stars in it. Because that tech doesn't exist at that point. It would be illogical and stupid to have a Star Destroyer and a Death Star yeah, a but thousand not, years before A New Hope. They're not... They, it's not the same thing. Even when they went back and... Rogue One is kind of like what they're doing with Strange New Worlds, right? They went back to an earlier point in the timeline and told more of that story. And when they did, they replicated the tech that was existent in that time frame. So that's, that's you still see different. toggle buttons and stuff like that. You know, it was early 70s tech. It was shot beautifully, but it was early 70s tech because that's what was represented on screen for that time period. It, no, that's, that's the same thing. No, it's not. I, I, I could go, Daddy, it is. I could go into a long speech as to why it's not the same thing. Um, and I liked Rogue One. You didn't. I didn't like Rogue One. Yeah. No. I, I really enjoyed Rogue One. I felt like the story didn't need to be told. And I feel like the Strange New Worlds near the story doesn't need to be told. Right. And Discovery I, didn't need to be told. And I, I want to know yeah. what lays past, what lies beyond where no one has gone before. That's the whole freaking point of Star Trek. And that's the point of Strange New World. Oh my God, it so isn't. It, it totally is. <laughs> like, um, all right. Like you said, we'll we'll never resolve this because we both have a uh, a wall in yeah. our opinions on this. Um, but so let's bury this one in the dirt. Yeah, but and, for uh, me, um, so far, like I thoroughly enjoyed the pilot of Strange New Worlds. It's the first time that I've watched a new piece of Star Trek where I felt really excited and thrilled about what I was watching and. And I'm looking forward to see what they do with it and where they take it. And um, I'm this, excited. This, by the way, you have to understand, this man has named his nipples Nostalgia and Easter Egg. You promised you wouldn't tell. Sorry. Yeah. 
<laughs> All promises are broken eventually. <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up there. I'm Fanboy. We have gone a little bit long on this one. Uh, that is Fanboy over there. And this is Logic Man over here. And we will see you guys next time. What are we going to talk about next time? What do we got new coming out in the in the uh, sci-fi and nerdery? We've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness coming out yes. soon. Well, that's out. Um, we could talk about Moon Knight, but you know what? I gave up on it after the second episode. So I'm going to have to recap before we, we talk which, about that. Which is interesting. Why did you give up on it? Well, let's save that. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll save that. Um, what else is coming out in the next like month or two? Obi-Wan. We're going to have to talk about Obi-Wan. Uh, yes, Obi-Wan is coming out. Um, yes. So yeah. we got some things we're going to be uh, checking out and then coming back and uh, telling you guys about. And, and just real quick, are you looking forward to Obi-Wan? Um, actually kind of am. You are. I'm not a fan of the prequels, but I do like Ewan, uh, Ewan McGregor. Right. And I think his take on Anik, or on um, I'm sorry, Ben Kenobi was really interesting. And I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this. I'm not. But they're going back to the original Star Wars instead of going forward. Dude, Star Wars was never about. It was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> not where no one has gone before. You understand the difference between those two things. Star Wars was always about going to the past, Star Trek uh -huh. was always about going to the future. But then why didn't you like Rogue One? Because I thought that story had already been done. Well, they've already told Ben's story. No, not entirely. So Rogue One, the Death Star thing, that wasn't entirely told. Well, that's fine, but I didn't like what they did with it. Okay. I was, All right. I, I was just curious. I also don't like Solo, a uh, uh, Star Wars story, and I love Han Solo. Right, right. Gotcha. Right. Okay. I'm an enigma. All right. Okay. Anyway, so we're going to cut out, and we will see you guys next time. All Take right. Care. Peace.